High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, male strippers, Lamaze class students, surfer girls, and amateur effects coordinators. Oh, and an extra special shout-out to the summer school teacher out there. This is the final summer school edition, at least for this year, of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And the party's at my house this evening. But first, summer school is still in session. You hear that? You have a little less than a year to get John Cusack to unblock this podcast's Twitter page. Or maybe next summer, we're going to have to do this all over again. Hopefully it won't take you that long, but we'll see. Anyway, did you do your other homework? Did you watch summer school? I picked this movie in honor to, you know, To, like, celebrate the last day of our summer school. It's called summer school. It makes sense. It's the first, well, the last day, like I said, before the real school year starts, right? It's August. Ugh. Did you like back-to-school shopping or did you hate it? I used to like it as, like, a little kid. But in high school, like, you know, my mother did less of it, so I didn't like it as much. And also, like, you bought things, and then you didn't need them, and they would give you, like, a a syllabus. I remember the first time I I got a syllabus, I'm like, what the hell is this? Okay. You know, so professional. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Back to what I was saying. Did you watch Summer School? We have a really good guest today, Nick Jenkins of The Real Bad Podcast. He gave us some wonderful insight. You're going to enjoy today's episode. But before that, I just wanted to uh, educate you on what's going on in the Cage Club Podcast Network. Because it's pretty much Brian Day weekend instead of Labor Day weekend. Not on purpose, I promise. I don't like that much attention, but I don't know. I recorded a bunch of episodes, and they're all airing in the next couple days, or they've aired already, so just let's talk about that. (sighs) Wow, yeah, five different podcasts in six days. Really making the rounds. Hashtag overexposed. On Wednesday, just released, I got to talk to one of my favorite people, on the podcast network and in real life too about one of my favorite comedies i was chatting about coming to america America. a great queens film a great foodie film the podcast of course is foodie films and it's kyle reinfried's podcast that was super fun you could see you could see the passion i have for that film and we took a little detour on that episode which was fun we actually uh we didn't go to a McDowell's, unfortunately, but we went to McDonald's. But we were able to, let's just say we were able to convince the drive through people to give us a Big Mick. If you've seen that film, you know what that means. If you haven't, you don't. So watch the film, listen to that podcast. That's Foodie Films. Came out last Wednesday, or this Wednesday, I should say. On Thursday, 
the new Cage Club Revisited came out, where once again, Kyle and I, wow, we really, really can't get enough of each other, can we? <laughs> but Kyle and I, along with Joey Lundaski and Mike Manzi, rewatched Nick Cage's blockbuster, National Treasure. He is a national treasure, isn't he? Nick Cage. That's why the whole network's named after him. Anyway, it was a ton of fun and a programming note, by the way, because some people have asked me. You're supposed to watch National Treasure while you're listening to this episode of Cage Club Revisited. That's the whole point of Cage Club Revisited. It's like a DVD commentary, almost. Out this Friday, today, well, if you're listening right away, which you are because you're good little students, um, is High School Slumber Party's episode on summer school. Don't need to preview that because you're already here. Saturday's a big day because I'm talking with Joey Lewandowski again, but also Joe Two. Too Fast, Too Furious on the Too Fast, Too Forever podcast. Too Fast, Too Fast, Too Furious, Too Furious, Too Fast, Too Act the Fool. This is a big one for me, and it was fun. We hungry. Trust me, I had an awesome time doing that one as well. Believe it or not, and you probably won't believe it, but Too Fast and Furious is a bucket list film of mine to podcast on, so you want to check that episode. Sunday is the Lord's Day, so we rest properly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No episode on Sunday. But Monday, Labor Day, um, I joined Kara who you know here from our Breakfast Club episodes. We are a special guest on Mike Manzi's Third Time's a Charm, a show I've been on before. And we're doing Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, which is also super fun. Oh my God, I had so much fun doing this episode. Sorry, I've just always wanted to play that Tina Turner song. It's been stuck in my head since I did this episode. I actually bought it on vinyl, and I played it in my apartment. Much to the chagrin of my neighbors, I'm sure, but I think my dog likes it, whatever. By the way, you can listen to all those episodes I mentioned, along with so much other great stuff on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. You know what that sound means. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. So let's take it away with a theme from summer school. A familiar voice on this podcast. Probably only this podcast, but nah, I don't want to diss. We love E.G. Daly here. But it's E.G. Daly's Mind Over Matter. Class dismissed. Oh wait, stay tuned for... A special announcement after the episode. You're going to want to listen to what it is. It's a programming note, if you will. Once again, class dismissed.
So, how's your summer been going? You know, okay, we didn't have a lot of smoke this year. So, I mean, we do now. Yeah, in Missoula, summer is usually also fire season, so we just Ah. get inundated with smoke. How is that? Like, it sucks. (laughs) Well, what do you do to cope with that? Not a lot. And the weird thing is, is Montana was not built with the idea of air conditioners. So, like, most places you go don't have AC, so you have to have the windows open. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just, it's miserable. It's miserable. But this summer was actually pretty nice. We had a... That's good to hear. Not a lot of that. Not a lot of rain. It was just sunny and bright and warm without being too hot. So it was kind of a nice summer. It's such a different, like, summer problem than what I have living in Manhattan. With me, it's just, like, everyone out and the noise and stuff like that. (laughs) But not fires, thankfully. It's funny because uh, one of our... uh, uh, one of our writing staff lives most of the time in, I, believe, I don't think it's Manhattan, but she lives in New York. And I remember she got here and w- we had smoke and then she was like, oh, it's fine, though. It doesn't smell like urine. So. <laughs> well, that's fair. That, that's a fair criticism. <laughs> Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I was No, this is great. I put out like a whole like flyer on some, to get someone to do this movie because I've been doing summer school themed openings and i'm like i have to do the film summer school it's on my list <laughs> i just need to find someone who will do it with me and thankfully you a good person and a qualified person with an awesome podcast volunteered so <laughs> happy to have you oh no i uh i had sort of forgotten about this movie and uh i mean not forgotten about it like this is a major touchstone for me so yeah i can't wait to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome because you know lot to talk about, and I, li- I like when people have connections to these films, you know, it brings it more to that slumber party feel. So, um, I don't know if you've listened to this show before, but if, if, mm-hmm. you, if you have, maybe you know how to introduce yourself. If not, I can help you along. Uh, help me along, because I was listening more for content, not introductions. So, so you want to say your name, your high school, your graduating class, and the, you know, the team name, like the mascot. Okay. Oh, that's a little... A little weird, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) We get weird here. That's what we do. All right. Here we go. Ready? Ready. My name is Nick Jenkins. I'm a host of a podcast called Real Bad, and uh, I am from Menachee High School, graduating class of 1995, and our mascot was Mo, the fighting Native American. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We were the uh, Menachee Marauders. Wow. That's a... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's no good. It's no good. But I, and I'm not sure if we're still that. I need to go back and research and see if it's changed. I hope it has. I was going to ask, yeah, because that's a that's not even an on the fence one in my mind. No, no, it's not. It, it's not even like, well, no, you can't. You're it's, like, oh, you're calling them brave. It's you know, like there's no like yeah. argument there. <laughs> Jeez, that might be the most offensive one we had here well you didn't name yeah. them, so i'm not blaming you but that's <laughs> no i was I, I had no choice i went to that school i had to do it and it's uh yeah it's, it's bad <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> so um what were you like in high school what was your high school experience like oh you know okay so most people say that if they had a bad experience it was in high school my bad experiences were all in junior high mm-hmm. high school got better but i was I was always struggling for identity. I was mostly probably a metalhead, but I also, by the end of my time in high school, had kind of gotten preppy button-up shirts and just uh, uh, trying not to be noticed. I went from trying really hard to be noticed 
to trying not to be noticed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, only one girlfriend, and it was just, you know, a little thing. I graduated uh, a semester early just to get the heck out of there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I think high school for me represented peak exhaustion. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. I I tried and tried and tried to do well in school. Didn't really succeed at school until I got into college. And high school was the point of like, I'm so tired. I can't do any more of this. Please get me out. <laughs> I mean, a semester early, that's not easy to do in high school. No, but you know how I did it? How? Summer school. Nice. I was uh, one of my questions. <laughs> so then you've been to summer school. Yeah, a couple times. And actually, every time I went to summer school, I enjoyed it, whether it was in uh, elementary school, high school, or even college, I did summer sessions. And I always enjoyed it because I work better. I, I work better with a shorter, more intense run than I do with it, with education drawn out. So for me, it was always great. I mean, that makes sense. So did you always elect to go to summer school or were you ever, were you ever forced to go to summer school? Was never, well, when I was in elementary school, the parents sort of made the decision, well, you're going to summer school this year. <laughs> but once I get into high school, it was like, okay, in order for me to graduate early, I have to take civics and econ over the summer. And I was like, that's a bargain I'm willing to make. So I did it, and it was all by choice. And then once, obviously, once I got into college, it was all choice. Yeah, I hear. I mean, that that's that's cool. That's smart. That You were a mature fella. You know that? <laughs> I think I was just panicking. I don't think I was mature. I think I was just like, I got to get out. <laughs> I mean, you found a way. That That's great. I did. <laughs> I did, and uh, I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot from those classes. But yeah, it was, I think, more than mature, I was just very practical. That makes sense. Again, that's a good skill, though, to have, especially at that age. I was kind of the opposite. I actually also went to summer school, but not by choice. <laughs> so I have still very, very poor vision. And I had mm. poor vision throughout middle school. But it really, honestly, didn't matter, like, in middle school. <laughs> like, I had glasses. I didn't want to wear them. Um, I got contacts. But I have very sensitive eyes. Like, I still can't put in contacts to this day. Sure. But it, took, it would take me hours to put them in. So I got them, like, in eighth grade or something. And then, more or less, I just didn't want to wake up early. I didn't want to take hours, like that much time to put in my contacts. So I started lying to my parents that I was putting in my contacts. Trust me, it made Little League Baseball season very difficult. <laughs> this ruse worked for like at least a year. And then I went to high school. I was never somebody who really struggled with my grades until I got to high school. And specifically in math and science, when seeing the board is really important. Very important, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I excelled in history and stuff like that because I could listen and read the book and, like, come across things that way. Because what really, on the board, like, could you really teach in history that's like that, you know? But me yeah. I, I ended up flunking algebra, which sucked. So they're like, hey, listen, you have to go to summer school for algebra. And it was, like, the worst. And again, the first thing I did was, like, listen. Well, two reasons I... I was like, let me get new glasses and just wear glasses and not really care. I kind of went through that transition is what you were saying, too. Like, I didn't want to wear glasses because I didn't want uh, to be uncool. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be the guy who wears glasses. And I mean, to this day, I wear glasses and I love them. But that summer school was like, uh, it was just the worst. Because we had two high schools in our like region. 
And yeah. they, they would switch off on which one hosted summer school. And of course, the year I had to go was the farther one. And just like waking up that early in the summer. And it wasn't anything fun because like there was a lot of subjects I loved, but I was not a fan of algebra. And um, shocker there. <laughs> I was, yeah. So, like, it was not an enjoyable experience. It ended up being pretty cool because I was like, shit, I cannot do this again. So, again, that's why I got classes. I got A's in math for the rest of, like, my high school tenure because I, like, and I didn't want to do it again. And I made some really, really cool friends in class, too. Like, one distinct story, I remember going to class and this very pretty girl, at least at the time, I thought would sit next to me every day and we chatted up and it was great and I'm like you know this is this is not so bad <laughs> <laughs> like th- this is pretty good and one day this kid this uh nerdy redheaded kid he ends up being a good friend of mine so I'm not like trying to diss him sits next to me and he smells and the girl comes in she's like oh okay sits down next to this another guy and I'm like hey what's up He's like, oh, I'm I'm new. Um, you seem like a really chatty guy, which I wasn't. I was just chatty because I was talking to the pretty girl. But he's like, oh, I just was hoping you could introduce me to some friends. And I mean, like again, he became a good friend of mine later in life. But I was like, I'll never forgive you, man. Like that was, <laughs> you ruined the rest of the summer for me. <laughs> Things were going so well. Yeah, no, I mean, I th- I thought so. It was the one bright spot, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, algebra in the summer, just not fun. Whatever. That's my summer school experience, so less positive than yours. But in college, I took some summer classes, and, and I um I kind of was in the same boat as you were. Like, I really enjoyed the summer sessions, because at least in my school, the classes were smaller, and there were, like, less people there. And, yeah, same here. Like, I had one professor who was, I think, the head of the department, or, like, one of the heads of, like, the English department. And he was just like, oh, let's just do class in my air-conditioned office on these couches. And we just read some great stories. And, like, summer school when it's your choice is so much better than when it's not. I guess that's the point. Oh, agreed. Yeah. (laughs) It's like staying home on a Friday night. (laughs) Very true. when When it's your choice, it's great. (laughs) <laughs> but when nobody invites you anywhere, it's terrible. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a it's... good way to put it. Before I forget, I always ask this question of my guests. You know, you're in the slumber party. What sleeping bag are you bringing to the slumber party? I had one sleeping bag, and it was an E.T. sleeping bag. Nice. And I had it until I was probably 20. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really it cool. It was this gigantic, wonderful E.T. sleeping bag, and uh, I loved it to death. And then eventually it just fell apart. No. <laughs> What did it uh what did it look like? Uh, it was light blue and it had just different sort of hand drawn pictures from the movie repeated over and over. So it was really cheap and I didn't even like ET when I was a little kid. So I don't even know where this sleeping bag originally <laughs> came from, but it was my sleeping bag. And so yeah, I had that and uh once that went away, I didn't have a sleeping bag again until like 2 years ago when I decided I was going to go camping for the first time in forever. But yeah, that was that was sort of what I took everywhere. I didn't care what anybody thought of it. That is awesome. That is that is an awesome sleeping bag. I wish it didn't fall apart. <laughs> nah, me too. A friend of mine here in Missoula actually has a blanket that is that exact same pattern. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, and I was I saw it and I almost broke down in tears because I was like, "Oh, it's my sleeping bag. So. <laughs> wow, what a, what a like way to harken back to childhood. That's awesome. I know. It was amazing. <laughs> so again, we're doing 1987 Summer School today. So you said uh, Summer School is somewhat of an important film for you? or Somewhat. So for a couple of reasons, I talk about this a lot on my 
own podcast that like this kind of movie would have a tough time getting a theatrical release now. Mm. Um, it's like we're in the blockbuster generation now. And uh, this is a small comedy. A couple of relatively well-known people in it at the time. Um, directed by a goddamn legend. I didn't even know that. I When I was watching it this time and the credits came on, Carl Reiner directed yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't know that either. What? I'm a big sitcom so, guy, like Dick Van Dyke. And obviously, yeah, like, me he, too. The guy needs no introduction. I'm like, wait, he directed this? That, that was a shock to me, too. Yeah, I was it totally blew me away. But like this reminded me of a time when you could go to the movies to see a small comedy. Now, you can still see that. You have things like Neighbors and you know stuff like that, but it's usually very star power driven, and this is just a smaller scale comedy movie. And so that reminded me of that era of when I was a, a little kid. So when this came out, I was 10 years old, and I remember specifically, I didn't go to the movies to see this, but all of my friends did. Mm. And so I didn't see it until it came to home video. And when I went to school, like the weekend after it came, everybody was making jokes about it. Everybody was oh, really? like, no, wow. call me, call me Chainsaw. <laughs> it was, so it was really important in that respect. And then I saw it and I just, as a kid, I really liked it. I found it fun. I found all of the characters very endearing to me. You know, there's some problematic stuff in it that I didn't recognize when I was a kid. And I do recognize now. But at the time, I was just like, I really liked 90% of these people that it introduced me to. And so, and even at the time, I don't think it was a laugh out loud comedy as much as it was just amusing and, I don't know, kind of quaint. So that's my experience with it. Yeah, I mean, those are good, really good points about this. It's it's true. You don't really see these films too often anymore in the theater. One of my notes I put is that it's a subtle comedy. You know, it's not like... So, I mean, on this podcast, I watch a lot of high school films, and a lot of them try to be gross-out comedies. And yeah, like you right. said, there are prob- there is problematic things in this film, but it's not nearly as problematic as I would even say most films of this era. Like I would, I would one hundred percent agree with you. High school films, yeah, yeah. like yeah. And that was honestly like that was kind of like refreshing to me. Like I expected it to like cross a lot of lines. That, like, oh, this is what's coming here, or, you know, we're going to see this person topless, or, you know, something like that. And it just, it didn't happen, and that was kind of, like, like I said, it was kind of comforting. Is is it perfect? No, not by any stretch. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, like I said, for the time, and that's not forgiving it, but for the time, it just, in my experience watching these movies, it's much, much, like, better, or, or like, I don't know if better is the right word, but much, uh... Less problematic, I guess, than some other stuff from that era. And honestly, even up to like a couple years ago. Yeah, especially through the 90s. But I mean, I was I I had the same reaction where I'm like, okay, well, this this situation that's happening right here, I wouldn't put this in a movie now. But regardless of that, they're not treating it as normal either. And I'm specifically thinking about uh, Courtney Thorne Smith's character, you know, moving in with her teacher when she's 16. It's like, this is problematic, but the movie treats it as both a joke and as problematic. Like, Kirstie Alley comes to him and basically lays out, you are harming this girl. Yeah, I thought that was such an 
awesome like line you know because like you don't expect to see that in this kind of film like again like weird situation it did make me uncomfortable but the fact that she said that i was like thank you kirstie alley thank you yeah exactly (laughs) i had that moment of like i i I exhaled like (laughs) oh okay good Uh, the movie doesn't think this is right the movie thinks this is really fucked up and, yeah, and it doesn't play I, it too into like like this is fucked up, but let's see, let's push the envelope on this, you know? No, like immediately after that, he's like, "No, we gotta stop this. This is this is." I was trying to be nice, but now I realize that this is really a problem, and I'm stupid. Like that again. It's like I wouldn't put that in a movie now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> nobody, nobody in their right mind would do that. But within the context of the time that it was made, I feel like that that was I don't know. It was showcasing that he is even though he's trying to be nice he's also not the smartest tool in the shed yeah which is made very clear yeah but also that the film does have the ability to look at it and go absolutely not this is not okay no and so yeah very refreshing for those moments but also like refreshing that uh the um the italian student who is actually argentinian um oh good to know like yeah, well, I don't know when she she was born in Argentina. Fabiana Undio, I think, is her name. Uh, she was in Austin Powers. Yeah, that's where I recognized in, her from. Also playing an uh, Italian. She, she was in my favorite episode of uh, Freddy's Nightmares, which <laughs> to go try to find that. But uh, <laughs> she uh, she's a wonderful actor. But she moved from Argentina to Italy. I don't know when. I just know that at age thirteen, she won a really big pageant in Italy so uh so by 13 she was quote-unquote Italian but um but she was born in Argentina uh but she there are lots of opportunities for that to be you know tropes of what American Pie would have done yes right yes absolutely Um, that's exactly what I thought and they didn't do that like they 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 didn't and I, I was just so happy that they that they didn't do that that they didn't make a victim out of her or really out of anybody. Absolutely. There were and a that, lot of so, like weird, mature decisions in this film, if that makes sense. Right? I, I guess uh, credit to, I think, the writer Jeff Franklin, who did Full House. I mean, I don't know if this has a Full House vibe, but still. like, it, I had no idea. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I saw the name. I was like, Jeff Franklin. I've seen that name in credits before. I looked it up, and yeah, he's like the obviously the showrunner for Full House. But um, God, that makes so much more sense now. <laughs> I mean, this is a much more uh, adult-oriented film than anything in Full House, yes. right? Like, but there is a, a a respect for the characters and their ability to make decisions that I find uh, interesting, and and also links it back to Full House. And between the Italian student and Pam, it I was afraid it was going to get like gratuitous like yeah. or he was gonna I, w- I thought he was gonna have to say no after she got naked or started propositioning him but she seems to be making more like immature choices not like choices for the audience it's like developed internal choices if that makes sense you know like it, it, it's yeah and that was again comforting <laughs> yes it really was. And, you know, there are things that are still, pl- I guess, you know, I was used to at this time, this level of comedy being more akin to something like Police Academy, mm. you know, that is specifically a sex and stupid comedy like that. That's what that is. I'm not arguing if that's good or bad, but that's where the 80s, the late 70s and early 80s sort of 
honed their comedy, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't that. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, I was allowed to watch it at, at all. Point, like yeah. it, and I think, you know, I, I rented it a few times and then it came on TV. And then once my mother got HBO, I, I probably saw it on HBO a few times. And it it it's very much a comfort food. Mm. There's not anything in it other than that one relationship. There's nothing in it that stresses me out. It's just sort of like, yeah, these kids can do better and we can help them do better. And I don't normally feel that way when I watch a movie like this. And maybe it's because I am also like I come from teaching like I I and I I love education. And so the idea of any film, whether it's um, something like this or, oh, my God, what is the Edward James Almost movie? Oh, stand, so stand and Deliver. Stand and deliver, you know, something like that. Like, I'm interested in seeing uh, teacher and student relations and, and how they can they can use education to better themselves, you know, things like that. Like, I think that's a really great story and I identify with it. So this was a fun version of that for me. And I think it still is. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I agree with that. So uh, quickly, my history with this film. So I, I've never seen it till uh, this watching, like front to back uh really yeah so this is my first time like that i had seen it in parts on tv this was often at least in new york like the local channels like saturday morning or sunday or sunday midday movie sure that makes sense and yeah yeah, and looking back now i could see how that makes sense you know it's just it's like you could see how it could be on tv i mean obviously you said you saw it on tv too and i always caught like moments the one thing that even throughout high school taking tests, I would flash back to just um, it, it's I think it's Dave who just ends up flipping coins or, or it might be changed yeah or, or Dave yeah one of them's like flipping coins and I, I would always, whenever I took a standardized test it would like that image would just flash in my head <laughs> and I kind of waited to do this episode. When I first thought of doing this podcast, like I looked at all the movies I had to do, and I decided the ones that I hadn't like seen in a while that I would just wait till I obviously did the episode. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was looking forward to seeing this to finally like put together these loose scenes <laughs> in the film and like tying. Like I, I had no idea that like Mark Harmon was the star of this. And for you guys out there, if you don't know Mark Harmon, ask your mom because she probably watches NCIS. And your mom probably had a crush on him in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> no, he's definitely like a guy, like a big guy from that era. And he, yeah. I didn't realize he was the star of it till maybe a couple of years ago that that I saw like an interview with him. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, I did not connect that that guy was the same guy as this guy, <laughs> you know? Yep. So like, I don't, I mean, I'm watching this really with fresh eyes. So there's no, there's not a real nostalgia factor except for a couple scenes here, uh, here and there. So, um, like, that's my perspective. So we might have different perspectives on this film, but I think we're coming to like similar conclusions, which is nice. But, but, but before I forget, because again, I always forget my segments on this show, I like to read <laughs> the back of the VHS cover. And this is a, oh, ra- this is a rather excellent. long one. <clears throat> School is out, and Oceanfront High School gym teacher Freddie Shoup has big plans. Summer in Hawaii. But school, the school's vice principal has plans for Freddie, too. Teaching remedial English. Aloha, paradise. Hello, summer school. Director Carl Reiner delighted fans and critics alike with his warm, perceptive comedy about a laid-back teacher relegated to teaching a class of likable misfits, including a slasher film addict, his wacky sidekick, a sexy female surfer, 
and a sexy female surfer, sorry. Kirstie Alley is the no-nonsense history professor down the hall who's keeping an eye on all the shenanigans, and on the handsome, irresistible Freddy. The road to academic success has never been bumpier, but earn straight A's in laughter. Okay. <laughs> Take <laughs> summer school. So, you know, little classic right up there. I like those. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think there must be, a, I've had some shit jobs. I, I think writing the back of a VHS box <laughs> would have been one of the shittiest. Like, how do I condense this into, uh, but, but frustrating because again, it's like, you know, in 2018 eyes especially, but even back then, you'd look at that and go, sexy surfer surfer student. No, no, let's not even put that in print. That's, no. Let's, <laughs> let's just, no. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's weird. It's funny, too, because like I think I might be more familiar, even than the movie, with the VHS cover. Just Mark Harmon sitting there with his glasses, with his sunglasses off. Like, it's just a very iconic <laughs> cover for some reason is that are you thinking of the one with the dog it might be the dog i don't have it in front of me gotcha but it seems to be like two because i looked them up and one has just like him the sunglasses and the dog next to him and that's probably the one you're thinking of that's the one i'm thinking (laughs) also i as a dog owner i was almost unconsolable when the dog lost its toy (laughs) that was a nice little subplot right like right (laughs) What was the dog? I felt name? so bad. Oh, Wonder uh, Wondermutt. Wondermutt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, like the, the for me, there is a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in it, and there's, uh, you know, again, it. There, I it's like all of these times that my friends went to movies, and I just didn't. I went to movies to see spectacle, even when I was a kid, because mm. I went with my parents most of the time. So we would go see the new Star Trek movie. We would go see, you know, Die Hard. We would go see big big things like we are the reason we're in the the boat we're in right now with blockbusters because like those are the movies we went to see gotcha but all my friends for some reason their parents always went to see comedies eddie murphy comedies sort of i don't want to say lowbrow because that's not the right word but like sort of dumb comedies there's another movie that i i put this in the same category with it's called lice not license to drive that's a Corey haim feldman movie um which i i like despite the fact that it's probably terrible (laughs) but there's uh, another one about a driver's ed school and Mm. i can't remember the name of it right now i'm gonna tweet it though once I find it. Yeah, let me know. I got to put it on my yeah, list. Yeah. Um, r- dangerous hat, road hats. Ah, dang it. Ah, it's not there. But anyway, <laughs> the, it had uh, one of the Murray brothers in it, and it was like heavily weighted to the sex um, side of things. And so I think I like the on the back of the description, I think it describes it as warm. Um, and this is it's a very warm comedy. There are real issues that are dealt with, like uh, the dyslexia the yeah like that i for me like when that came up i had forgotten about it and i liked how when she hands her paper to uh, they call him eek i can't remember uh, what his full name is there's also an actor who's gone on to do a lot of voice acting in one of my favorite cartoons from the 90s called angry beavers yeah oh i love angry beavers i love angry beavers and uh let me see his name i wrote it down because i'm like oh that this guy's an interesting voice his name is Richard Stevens Horvitz, and he plays Ikian. Ikian, that's it. Yeah, and uh, but he, wonderful voice actor. If you haven't seen Angry Beavers, look it up because it's wonderful. And but like his, it very secretively goes to the teacher, just like, "Hey, I want to show you something." And that could have been another thing where it's used to make fun of a character, but they don't do that. 
Like it's it's treated as serious. And I love the conversation that he has with uh, her. <laughs> what is her name? Uh, Denise. Um, Denise. He has a wonderful exchange where she said where he says, you know, you should get help for this. We have a special tutor. And she says, hey, I'm doing fine. And he says, yes, but you could be doing so much better. Like that line, that exchange is just such a powerful thing to say. I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I watched it and I thought the same thing. I'm like, uh, first I saw the dyslexia thing. I'm like, are they going to like mock this at some point in the yes, film? Yes, that's what I was afraid of. They didn't do that. And then the line you just said is so just nice and touching. And like, I was like, I wish somebody said that to me about certain things when I was growing up. Like, I, yeah. I had some uh, issues like that. Not as serious as dyslexia. But... There, you know, I had some. I didn't take my studies very seriously at all, and oh, as you can tell from my glasses story. <laughs> but um, I wish someone had said it just like that to me. So simple, but just like nice and and it, the dyslexia thing, and also like the um the teenage pregnancy thing. Oh yeah, we haven't even mentioned Shawnee Smith. Yes, who went on to? She was wonderful in here, and she went on to. Uh, those of you probably know her best from Saw. She's in the Saw franchise, yeah. but she's also uh, she was on a show that I liked that I don't think anybody else liked, but I enjoyed called Becker. Becker! Oh my God, she was on Becker. Yeah, you know when you get these weird coincidences, like I've literally, like I spent last weekend talking about becker like so that's, like, someone brought up i'm like i haven't thought about becker in a while so i'm glad we brought up becker i did wow good call there that's awesome yeah like and she's wonderful in all of these different roles and she was great here but i agree with you like it was not true nobody i don't know maybe somebody criticized her for being pregnant might have been the vice principal um i can't remember but by and large like none of the other students were critical of her and they were very supportive when she, you know, when she had the baby, everybody was, you know, everybody was in their own unique way supportive of her. Yeah. And But it wasn't a big thing of like calling out, look how supportive these people are. It's just the way they were. And that is so refreshing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Look, look, the gag when they're like, she introduces herself, she's pregnant. Obviously, there's like a gag there, but like, that's it. And then the fact that she just like she you know she gets together with whoever the football player was it's like you don't really need to know names oh his name was kevin um she gets together with him and in the end when she announces that she gave the baby up for adoption that she wasn't ready to be a mother like it's like they could have gone such a different somewhat ugly way with all this stuff yeah and they didn't which is just nice and refreshing it is and um it's funny because the only name I can ever remember, obviously Chainsaw, you can remember Chainsaw, but <laughs> um, but Larry, because they keep asking, where's Larry? Why is Larry asleep? Where, you know, oh, so yeah. they keep using his name. <laughs> and so I remember it, which is also a really bizarre thing to have happen in here uh, was was the student who is a stripper at night and it's a guy. Yeah. And so he's he's always asleep because he's he strips at night. And the story of how he gets caught is hilarious and uncomfortably hilarious that, you know, his his mom and aunt went to the strip <laughs> show and then, you know, she got him fired because they told the place how old he was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was it's absolutely wonderful. I, I thought like I, I know that there are things like that. That's like we shouldn't make fun of this, but it is it is especially in 1987 funny like that is that is a really 
good twist on that whole thing. Well, I thought there was so much room to go, like, in a negative place. Well, one, they could have written the stripper as a woman and just as an excuse to go into a strip club and see scantily clad right. women. You know, they didn't do that. Right. They didn't. Yeah, again, there is the visual gag of, like, oh, we're expecting a lady strip club, but it's, a, like, a male strip club. But they don't, like... <sighs> what They don't go homophobic with it, you know? Nope. Like, nothing Not like that. Like, there's so many avenues that they... And I'm glad they didn't, but that I expected. Maybe maybe our expectations of that era are just, like, not great, you know? So low. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I kept saying it's, it's you're not wrong. <laughs> Again, like, I, I just kept saying, like, oh, that's great. They didn't go there. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> proving, proving that, because I think this film did pretty well, but, like, proving that you didn't need, even in that era, you didn't need to do that to have a really fun comedy yeah and and, and I, you you hit a good point before when you said like movie theater i remember you know as a kid when you used to just like at least me i would just go to the theater and like oh that poster looks cool this is like a really easily explained movie you know like yeah <laughs> this teacher is not probably into teaching summer school and then you go there and you, you just go to have a good time like whatever i'm like part of the culture that will reads what's going to happen in these films in terms of or like the the production build up and watches the trailers sure. and i i've already built up a mindset about this film uh, uh not this film about uh like other films like epic films like star wars and stuff like that sure so seeing this today without any preconceived notions reminded me of going to the movies as a kid and just okay i kind of know what this film's about and just watching it and enjoying myself yeah that it was it was light it was airy um it was full of good people who were in a bad situation who were just trying to do good things and maybe had never been told i think that's why that moment with denise really resonates with me is i think that the point of the film is that these people in this class have never been told that they can be doing better like they they have all been told they're stupid they've all been told that they can't do things and and it, and for some of them it's a joke and for others of them it's much more serious and this is for all of them kind of the first time that they've been told they can do better and not in a disparaging way but in a way it's like no you are doing fine but you can be doing better and then they go and they do it and i love the climax of this film it is it is something that we don't take seriously enough in school and it it just blew my mind in the 80s when this actually when I saw this, because I had never thought about this before. I mean, I was only 10, but it's something I've carried with me forever. This idea of like, no, they didn't all pass this big exam, but look at how much they all improved. That's huge. And it was a big deal to me when I watched it this time. I had forgotten about that. Rhonda, from a 29 to a 43, and she gave birth. Oh, isn't childbirth grounds for makeup test? It always has been. Oh, this woman thing never fails. Ikea, a 51 to a 74. I guess. Oh, I am an Ikean Grams. All right, Eager. Denise, no previous test score because you ditched every test. A 38. Honey, that's terrific. We'll get him next time. Kevin, yeah. A 48 to a 75. Yeah, I'm back on the team. Yeah. Kill! 
Last score was a six. This time, 59. Monster comeback. Uh -huh. And Dave, from a 26 to a 70. Passed! You made it! You passed. Ooh. You passed and I failed, you asshole. How could you do that to me? It was an accident. Take it again. I can fail. I know it. And Pam went from a 53 to an 82. Whoa. Oh, Was that the highest? Well, almost. I mean, that guy who spent six weeks in the bathroom got a 91. <laughs> but look, there's more going on here than test scores and grades. You all worked hard and you improved. That's very nice, Mr. Shoup. The point is, we are here to discuss Mr. Shoup's flagrant violation of school policy. Hold it, Gills. <clears throat> According to my numbers, the average scores here increased from 28 to 63. Now, that's 125% improvement. Now, that's teaching. Uh, yeah. Mr. Shoup, I'm granting you tenure. He's back, ladies and gentlemen! Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And, like, one note I made on that was that, like, if you've not seen this movie and you're listening to our podcast now, you might think that this film has, like, a Disney Channel quality, and it really doesn't either. You know, we're not saying it's no, so it squeaky clean. Because, like, they didn't all pass. You know, that would have been, like, the convenient, cute thing to do. But what you yeah. said is just so much more powerful and so much better. And, like, yeah, how, how he's able to connect with these kids is just... Again, in a lighthearted comedy way. It's not like, like um, Stand and Deliver, like you're saying, it, it, like you said before. It's like... In a light way, but they're able to communicate so much of that in in the lines that you were saying there, or that that final scene, and you're just like, you know what? I, like, I like all these people. I like all these well fleshed out characters who could have easily been caricatures. And again, like I said, this is a, a comedy under two hours, so I'm not you know saying they're like right, Lord yeah. of the Rings fleshed out and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's nice. I just keep going back to that word, you know. <laughs> It is nice. And, you know, yeah, other people who are preparing to watch it, there are things that are going to um, probably catch you in 2018 eyes. The fact that Mark Harmon refuses to leave Kirstie Alley alone um, yeah, well. and refuses to stop asking her out is played for laughs and it's supposed to be cute. And at this time we look at it and we go, that's not cute. That's, you know, that she said, no, you need to back off. Um, at the time, that was the normal trope. Like, that's just that that is. And to to be fair, he does come off as harmless in this movie. Like, he he is really not seen as any way sort of intimidating or dangerous. Yeah. But that being said, watching it now, you will probably watch that and go, oh, no, you jerk. Stop. No, it's just it's like what you said, like you wouldn't put it in a film now, but probably right. in like the entire history of filmmaking up until the last couple years, that would be a major aspect of a film. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's things like that. But I, I mean, I've watched a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s after doing my podcast and most of them, the reasons that we we buckle under them and we we struggle with them is because of how they treat women and how um, sex is used um, in movies. And it was so refreshing and weird to see a, a comedy movie from that era not use so many of these tropes and still be warm and funny and crass and have some gross out humor. The the wonderful scene where Chainsaw and Dave 
do all of the makeup for everybody in the class to scare away the new teacher. Oh, yeah. No, I, I want to talk about that scene because I... Go for it. So, Miss Cure, I, I just wanted to let you know that the children are a little hyperactive, but I'm sure that you'll enjoy their joie de vivre. <laughs> well, so far, I've only subbed at grammar school, so this should be a nice change. My classroom? Yes, it is. Whose blood is that? Is that your blood? No! Because, like, I, on paper, that a lot of movies would just kind of you'd be like, oh, this is such a dumb scene. But I, I, it's beautiful to me because, one, it looks awesome. Like for, It looks great. Yeah. And, two, the fact that Chainsaw, the entire film, is showing his love for this artistic pursuit. And while he might not be academically smart or applied there, like, he has, like, a skill that he puts to use. And... and if that dude can do that, like he's going to be successful in that field. So I'm, uh, yes. like I'm super happy for the guy, and it, it didn't feel like uh, so many of these high school films have random gag moments where it goes too far, and it's kind of like, and it's not always bad, but like kind of magic realist or even like fantasy little scenes, yeah. and we click, we hit back. But this one actually mm-hmm. like made sense in the whole uh, structure of the film and like the whole backstory, which which again was nice you know it was uh the other thing about that scene that i really liked and i I think it'd been going throughout the entire film but that was where it solidified for me that all of these students actually like each other like they're not antagonistic toward one another you know what i mean yeah and that scene where they're all they've all they've become a team at that point And it just made me happy. It made me feel good that they're all enjoying themselves doing this gross bit of shtick uh, to try to get shoot back and to try to scare away. The, it, like, I don't know. There was something very, they seem like a united front, and it just made me feel very good. Um, yeah. Even though it was this uh, horrible, you know, <laughs> uh, a horrible massacre of um, <laughs> latex and everything. And yeah, so th- it's it, it's a unique perspective. And I guess that really comes down to the fact that it's being directed by Carl Reiner and written by, uh, was his name? Jeff? Jeff Franklin. Jeff Franklin. Um, written by Written by a person who I don't think is a very cynical person. I mean that's fair. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I just does that doesn't seem to be a part of his shtick, <laughs> and um, and directed by an extraordinarily thoughtful director. Because uh, if you go back and you look at his stuff in television, if you look at his stuff, his other films, he directed The Jerk with Steve Martin, which is another absolutely ridiculous comedy, but has this weird warmth to it and a and a very strange heart to it. So I think there's something to that that like. These are both very thoughtful people who wrote and directed this, and it comes across. It feels like a thoughtful, fun film. 
Yeah, and I'm, I mean, look, I obviously don't know Carl Ryan personally, but, like, from what I know, it seems like he never, like, mails it in, you know? And, like, because, like, some... Right. And you would think, like, this guy, comedy legend, could definitely mail a film like this in. Like, just, yes. you know, I'm here, I'm getting paid to do this. But he he doesn't, and, and, you know, you make a really good point. It really shows, like, it really, really shows in terms of just continuity and and the heart in the film. I, I think heart is a good word for this film. I guess, again, that's another Jeff, Jeff Franklin thing. <laughs> yeah. When you were saying that, I was just picturing a really cynical version of Full House, and <laughs> it just did not match. <laughs> oh, God, what's the cynical version of Full House? Uh, is it married with children? I guess, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. No, but... but uh. You know, you're right, and that scene is like a great little, a great little uh moment for that. Another thing I want to bring up, um, I kind of bring up from time to time on this podcast is like the precursor to like high school films are um the whole era of like beach comedies, um, yeah. like beach party films, and this kind of uh, harkens back to that as well. I'm obviously like Oceanside High School. I like when I see that. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. You know, it's just, just like a nice little uh callback to that. There's a moment where Pam, at the very beginning, Pam is staring out the window looking at the waves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's supposed to make you feel like she just can't pay attention. But the fact of the matter is she's passionate about something. Yeah. Um, And it's not what's in the classroom, which makes total sense. But I had this moment of like, oh, my God, I would have loved to have been at a school where you could see the ocean from a classroom. (laughs) Holy cow. Uh, And I don't know. There was a wistfulness to that whole idea. It's It's like a... I don't know. It's almost kind of like not a fairy tale. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's this. I'm sure there are schools in California, especially where you can see the beach from the school, but it feels like a gauzy, um, uh, sepia toned filter of imagination and, and a memory that didn't actually exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause like when I tell people I'm from California and, you know, sometimes you get that cliche of like, oh, how far away were you from the beach? And I'm like, almost as far away from the beach as I am in Montana. Like, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long way. But, uh, but yeah, like the, it, interestingly, the movie Carl Reiner did before this was called Summer Rental, mm. which was a John Candy, uh, comedy, but it was, uh, again, uh, set at the beach and sort of had this, uh, re, like the the kids at the beach party had grown up, and this was now like the the yuppie version of that. Mm, okay, um, and so you know it. I, I think he hit upon a theme he wanted to work on for a while there, <laughs> and it was like, let's just do it at the beach. Yeah, I mean, not a bad place to work. So <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, that makes sense. Did you find this? I, I think we we talked about this a little bit, but I'm I'm curious. Like, did you have any laugh out loud moments in this movie? Um, I can't, like, off the top of my head, I can't honestly recall too many, if any, you know? It doesn't mean I didn't find it funny. Exactly. I think that's the point I'm trying to make is, uh, with this is, like, it's, it's a comedy, but I think we've also kind of grown to expect comedies to be sort of a, a, a gigantic laugh a minute thing. Like, I laughed more, I mean, I, I laughed more at Infinity War than i did at this movie but this is a much i smiled during the whole movie right like i I was always like i was was always pleasant um i think the only time i actually laughed out loud because i i think it was more surprised than anything was um 
when Chainsaw crashes the uh, Shoop's car. Oh. <laughs> and he immediately turns and starts yelling at the driving instructor. <laughs> like, he looks at him and goes, don't you ever yell at the driver. <laughs> and I did laugh because I thought, that's that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, there might have been a couple of, like, Chainsaw things here or there. Oh, I think I, think I like, chuckled, too, when that kid who went to the bathroom, who I, com- <laughs> I completely forgot about. Like, so they did their trick there, you know, <laughs> came back. And, and, yeah, the guy, okay, so people that haven't seen this, this is a wonderful bit that I had forgotten about, where at the beginning of the class, there's this giant guy who is very, like, he is intimidating. Like, he's a big, intim- and he's intentionally that way, and just says, I need to go to the bathroom. And so Shoop gives him the hall pass, and he goes to the bathroom, and then we never see him again <laughs> until almost the last scene where he comes back and he says, didn't you go to the bathroom six weeks ago? My fly got stuck. (laughs) And then he gets the highest score on the exam at the end. Which is great. He gets a, yeah, he gets a 91, which is like amazing. It was wonderful. It's a great bit. But yeah, I had that same thing when he came back. I think (laughs) I did. I think I did have a little bit of a chortle there. Yeah, and like it's the he has like the classic uh, high school bathroom pass, like the big thing. That big thing. What is that thing? I mean, I I some classes I went had it. It's just like they didn't. I know I had one too, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, like, I, what, I'm trying. It, I was trying to figure out. I guess like I was trying. It's it's either what to like make sure. I don't know that you were supposed to be there, but like it's it's not. <laughs> but but what is the thing? Like it's a it's a hall pass. Yeah, we're using it as a hall pass. But what was it before it was a hall pass? <laughs> like a what? Good, it, I don't know. I don't know. It's it looks like an apple crate, but it's too small. So I don't know what. Like, what is its original use? Yeah, I have no idea. Because I'm, I'm trying to, like, you know, trying to go in depth with it. Because, I mean, you, <laughs> you know, you've seen, like, if you go out to, like, a public place and you, like, ask to use the bathroom in a supermarket and sometimes they give you something clunky so you, like, return the key. Yeah. But generally, high school bathrooms aren't locked. So, I don't know. I hope there's some company somewhere that's, like, producing these just for this purpose <laughs> of bathroom hall passes. We had one of those. We had a baseball. And then we, I know at one point we ran out, so they just would give you an eraser, which always grossed me out. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I didn't want, I didn't want that to be, it was spreading stuff all over the chalkboard. Um, and cloth, yeah. you know? I mean, come to think of it, giving anybody an object to go to the bathroom with is probably not the most sanitary thing. I just had this realization right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little grossed out. Yeah, wow. What, a, what, a, what an idea, you know? Like, that's so weird. It is. I know by the time I graduated, they had gone to just giving you cards that you could put into your pocket. Mm. So if somebody call, you know, was like, hey, where's your hall pass? You just pull it out of your pocket. But before that, it was just giant clunky things. So, you, uh, oh, so you just so people wouldn't ask you. I guess they could just see from afar. I'm not. I'm not trusting that every high schooler is going to be washing their hands. You know. Like, oh no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>, that's gross. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, have you seen some of the sinks? Nah. I I'm not entirely sure. I want to be touching the sink. <laughs> that's a good point too. Oh, I know where I've been. Like, <laughs> I. I you know, I'm pretty confident in that, but like the sinks, hmm. Yeah. Also, we're both guys, and I know I don't know. Um, I did a a podcast for a charity uh last year called Nick's Johns, where a bunch of us all just talked about our best and worst bathroom experience. <laughs> um, That's great. And uh, w- one of the things was that uh, men's and women's bathrooms are are equally as you know problem. They have as many problems. 
Um, but it was a weird thing that all of the guys' bathrooms all had the doors removed um, <laughs> in my high school. <laughs> were, when you ask why, they say, oh, because guys will just rip them down. I was like, what in the... Uh, That's a little weird. What an animalistic yeah. instinct. <laughs> <With you>. Right? <laughs> I just want to use the bathroom. Why am I ripping down a door? Like I just gotta go. Like I mean, a little privacy <laughs> would be nice. Jeez, like yeah, that's a little. That's would. a little. Uh, that's a little intense. I don't know if I would have liked that. <laughs> well, you know, we went somewhere on this podcast, so <laughs> it's a little treat for you. <laughs> I, you know, we always uh, reflect on high school, and it's about a lot about that nostalgia. I, I have to say, though, it's still early in this podcast history. That's the first time we've gone back to the high school bathroom, and it wasn't something that I thought about till now, and. Frankly, I don't know if I want to return again. Oh, those are gross places. <laughs> are you going to do uh, Pretty in Pink? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it'll come up then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Great scene in there. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Yeah. Even even uh, 16 Candles has a bathroom scene. Oh, so. it does? Yeah, I so forgot. so I guess, yeah, we'll do it on the, the Ringwald, um, the next two Ringwald <laughs> ones. <laughs> so a couple other notes. Um, Mark Harmon played football at UCLA. And so he's quite, quite good at, I suppose, teaching that guy how to play football again or practicing with him. And the mm-hmm. uh, the uniforms they use really look like the UCLA uniforms. I don't know if it was a nod to that or they just thought it was cool. Um, other no. Oh, man, I would bet that it was a nod. Probably. I would think. Especially with Mark Harmon if he played. For, that, that would make sense to me. Mark Harmon, UCLA, they're, you know, in... California, like that, you know, I would think so. Yeah. Also, um, the first uh, ep- episodes, so one and two, were on Better Off Dead for this podcast, where we highlighted uh, the theme song sung by E.G. Daly, another great voice actor, but also, um, you know, E.G. Daly. And she also yeah. does the theme song to this film, I learned, called Mind Over Matter, which they play in the test scene. Using a number two pencil, take your answer sheet and fill in your name. Okay, break the seals on your test booklets now. Tension breaker had to be done. Good luck, gang. Ready? Begin. God, that was the most 80s thing in this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, very, very 80s test sequence, but that's okay. Like, I'm not, like, I, oh, yeah. Like, I like that. You know, I need that. I need, I need a little 80s test sequence. Just to go back quickly, I like how, because this just reminded me, I like how the characters were introduced in the uh, classroom scene, like, like in that roll call thing. Hey, Mr. Shoup, wow. Uh, you in this class too? Mm-mm. I'm teaching it. No. No way. 
party all the time. Party all the time. I get a lot to do. Party all the time. All right, have a seat. See who the lucky winners are. Larry, how's my ass? Where's Larry? He's a uh, nocturnal. Oh. Okay. Try to keep it down. <laughs> Francis Grimp. Oh, don't recall me that. The name is Chainsaw. I was in Black and Decker? As in Texas Massacre. Oh. Yeah, that's in here. They got files. Pam House. Says here, you lack concentration. Pam? Never mind. Jerome Watkins. Computer said I failed that test. The computer made an error. I recommend this time I pass. You're gonna do well, Jerome. I can feel it. Alan Ekian? Present, <clears throat> sir. Four brothers, two sisters, all straight A students. What are you doing here? I assume there was some sort of a baby mix up at the hospital. <laughs> Rhonda Altabello. Here. I'm from C's to F's. What happened? Any other questions? No. Denise Green. What's that file say about me? Whatever it says, it's a lie. You want to know something about me? Ask me. I'm right here. What you want to know? Where are my car keys? How would I know? Was that thing say I'm a thief too? Because you kind of learn a little bit about them, but I, I said this before, they're all like, they're all like fleshed out to a decent amount for like a film like this. Even, um, what, what we say his name? Ikean, the fact that like, yeah, all his siblings are straight A students and you, like on first glance, he seems like your typical high school film nerd. But yeah. you know, he just—he's not the A student. His his siblings aren't. I, I love that too. Like everyone here has got like a little story that was I thought was pretty cool. Every single one of them could have been. You know, you might argue this a little bit, maybe. But I feel like the 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 good parts of the script really shine because every single one of these kids could have been the star of their own movie. Like all of these stories were deep enough. That you could have made a movie about the high school dude who is a stripper at night. I wouldn't want to watch it, but you could make you could make that movie. You could make the movie about the uh, the pregnant girl who's just trying to get high school done. You could make a movie about the dyslexic student who can't drive, who has to learn how to do both to take care of her family. Like like all of these, or the you know the nerd who's just not good at school, but all of his um, all of his relatives are. And so he feels like an outcast. Like, I think there's something in each of those stories that could be broadened out into a full story. And that makes them so much more compelling, like every single one of them. And you're right. Like, they're fleshed out really quickly. It's weird because I don't know of any person who would call roll and then spill your secrets out in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had he had like a little sheet of like like a like a scouting report on them, which is yeah, which, maybe that's like not too realistic, but it, hey, it served its purpose. It certainly served its purpose, uh, and and yeah, they were just very quickly and easily. We knew what each of their challenges were going to be. Uh, we knew a bit about their personalities. Uh, you know, that's where we first learned. You know, yeah, please call me Chainsaw. You know, <laughs> uh, like it. 
yeah, it all it's really good, efficient storytelling. Yeah, yeah. The, like the I'm trying to think now. The only one dimensional guy, and that was fine because it was for for a gag. Was the uh, the guy who went to the bathroom? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, that it was uh, it, like you said, great storytelling. And again, it comes from a writer who again would go on to success. And uh, you know, I'm not like the biggest Full House fan. I'm not saying that, but it, obviously, it's not it's not like a schlep writer. And you have one of the greatest comedy minds of all time uh you know yeah carl reiner like behind this so it just it just makes sense you know so anything does. anything else in this film you wanted to uh mention or bring up or i uh, i think we were pretty thorough uh i i do want to just reiterate how enjoyable it is it's not a laugh a minute it's not um it's not a joke a minute it's just kind of lovely characters that you don't mind spending time with. Um, I would say probably the weakest thing is how overtly evil the vice principal is. Oh, yeah, we didn't even bring him up because, yeah, no, he... Yeah, because he kind of exists in a different movie, I feel. For sure. You know, they needed him for plot reasons, um, but that would be my only real, like, even for the 1980s complaint, it's like, he just, he's just so overtly bad, and it sets up Kirstie Alley in a way that, it's like, well, clearly she's going to go be with Shoop because this guy is evil. And uh, yeah, that guy is no shot. And there's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, yeah. uh, there's no, he, he doesn't have any redeemable qualities. <laughs> and he's just, nope. he's just this, um, I'm trying to think. Like, there's not even like a fear behind him. Like, because sometimes you get these like um, villains who seem like they're one dimensional and then you realize like, why they're so fearful, or something along those lines, right. and it re- like for all the we we just went on how all the kids are fleshed out, and then you brought that up. I'm like, wow, I even forgot about him because he's like not fleshed out at all, and like I really don't care. Like I don't like no. you know, like I just don't yeah. care about him. No, um, and I think that's a little bit of a shame, but the movie's not about him, um, so it's it's okay. But I that that would be the one thing. The other thing I would want to say is I she gets a bad rap. I think lately. Um, but Kirstie Alley is really good in here. And I don't think she gets enough credit for being a good actor. Um, I forget that she was hilarious on Cheers. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, again, big sitcom guy. And uh, that that's how the Becker conversation started, as me and some friends were watching <laughs> Cheers. But, um, yeah, no, I was going to say, she is she's great on Cheers. And she this is, like, very much a Cheers version of her and not the same character but in terms of like i don't know i don't want to call her prime that sounds like you know stupid but like this is the classic kirstie alley i remember from cheers and yeah you know what i'm saying like the comedy kirstie alley yeah and it but like i i i appreciated how she was how serious she was about things that needed to be taken seriously and how um funny she could be when it was appropriate for her to be funny about things like it was and she made those transitions very very well and like i again it's like um i was having a conversation with somebody about this about a uh, about john goodman in our episode about the flintstones mm. um that you know it was very rare especially at that time for actors to go from tv to movies and be a big star in the in television and then go directly into being a big star in movies that happens a bit more now, um, and I think that was largely because of Friends, and you had people like Jennifer Aniston 
who could actually leverage her her power mm, to yeah. to get good scripts and to you know and and to do that but like Kirstie Alley at this point would I think she would have been on Cheers is that right 1987 that makes sense yeah um it would have been right around at the same time she had definitely you know she'd already done Star Trek 2 and so she was she was known but I just I feel like sometimes she gets a bit of a bad rap because of um, things that are not acting related. And I just wanted to say that I thought she was really good in here and she did an, a really good job and, and was very convincing in that role. Yeah, she she's even on Cheers like she can be funny when she needs to be funny and not needs to be funny, but like, you know, when when the script calls for it. But she's a great right. she's a great team player. Um, and you see that here too. She's somebody who I'm glad you brought up, like, because most of the shitting on her, for lack of a better word, now does come from her personal life and and stuff like that. It's not so much her career. And I mean, I don't know what she's been doing recently or anything like that. But anytime I see her in something, she 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 just is somebody who elevates the castmates around her in like a very subtle way. Yeah. And if you look at something that, like, as, you know, I don't want to say trite, but, like, something like Look Who's Talking Mm. and, you know, that film series, still, if you watch her, she is giving 100% in those movies. Yeah. You know, they're they're dumb movies. They're family movies, though. And she's giving 100%. Travolta's giving 100%. And so, you know, I I, I think maybe you get trapped in thinking people might have gotten... Uh, trapped in typecasting her maybe mm. um but no i just i i definitely wanted to say like she she's very good in here yeah so just for a fact check so this movie came out either like she her first appearance on cheers was september 24th 1987 <laughs> so, wow so yeah right around <laughs> right right around that time um that is fascinating huh so she did this. She do, she obviously had this in the can, you know, probably in '86. Yeah. Um. So wow, that's in that's that was a good year for her. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could call it a breakout year, I suppose. I guess you could. Yeah. Because then I think I want to say they did at least four seasons of Cheers after that. Yeah. I mean, let me. You know, I, I'm serious about this stuff. So let me see. <laughs> That was season what is, no more uh, five five seasons she was on. Look, I still feel pretty pretty proud of myself that I got that close. So that's pretty good. No, you're right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so season six through season eleven. So yeah, no, I mean anyway, th- I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up with her because that's a that's a really good point and something that's like maybe maybe overlooked. But you know, she, she's she's pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, if there's no other things, I'm looking at my notes as well. I will tell everybody, check this out, if you if you can find it. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, you, well, it's on Amazon to rent. Uh, it's not free to stream, but if you ever see it free to stream, I would definitely say check it out. You know what, though? It, I've seen this in, like, shamefully, but in, like, $5, like, Walmart bins. I mean, have you looked through the Walmart bin? There's a lot of actually quality <laughs> stuff in those Walmart bins now, like, in the Blu-rays. Like there's that's true. there's some good that's stuff. True. Yeah. So <laughs> I think the whole digital download has has caused some chaos with uh with Blu-ray sales. So but uh, but yeah, if you find it, if it's like five bucks, 
I'd say check it out. I think it's a I think it's a really interesting film for 1987. No, that, that's 100% true. So on this podcast, we rate things on a scale from 1 to 5, but we usually we we find something in the film to rate them on, like a, a scale of 5 whatevers. Is there something in the film that we could rate this on, like an object or... I'm going to say chainsaws. That's good. That's good. That works. Because usually I don't, uh, I don't like picking characters, but the chainsaw is an important aspect of the film, and they actually use chainsaws in the film. Yes, they do. And <laughs> they showed, they screened one of my top five favorite horror movies, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Perfect. Uh, yeah. In the movie. So, like, th- this was, this is right up my alley. But um, I'm going to give this four out of five chainsaws. Nice. Nice. That's, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good score. So, mine's similar. Yeah. Uh, for the reasons we said, I'm giving it 3.5, and that's totally fair. And that's uh, that's just because I'm basing it on the other films I've rated here, and I don't want to. I'm like, oh, them equaling this to this, you know? Like, <laughs> my, my scale is more because like people are gonna be like, you think the Breakfast Club and this film are the same, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, you you have to right. Your scale needs more nuance. Yes. Than mine. <laughs> so I completely understand your four and. You know, I'm giving it a 3.5, and for those of you, and like you said, definitely, definitely watch this film. Don't expect like to be changed by it, but it's 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 an easy film that you can put on, and you don't have to pay attention too too much, and you'll you won't be lost either. You know, yeah, nice easy oh, summer watching. I think. I also forgot when. Uh, my, I think maybe my my favorite line in the film. Uh, is don't yell, don't ever yell at the driver. But my second favorite one is when Shoop goes to jail. Oh, we forgot about he, that. Yeah, yeah. Shoop, Shoop goes to jail to try to prevent the two kids from getting in trouble for having booze. And there are two great lines. One of them is he's on roller skates in just shorts. He's just in shorts and <laughs> roller skates. And he asks the police officers, like, "Do you have a cell for beginners?" <laughs> like, uh, I thought that was funny. And then later. Chainsaw says, you went to jail for us? And he said, yeah, with no shirt. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was great. Like, just well-delivered, good good comedy. You know what I liked about that jail thing, too? Like, okay, so there's the jail gag, but he actually had to go to court. So many times in, yeah. in comedy movies, like, you see people get arrested, but there's, like, no consequence for the rest of the film for it. Right. Nice. Nice bit of realism there. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, because it was stressful. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that you have to go to court. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks so much, Nick, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, being someone who saw this film. And I'm really happy that, <laughs> I'm really happy that I was able to see it and see a cold turkey like this. Because, it, again, it felt like I like seeing films that I don't know anything about and then being, being happy at the end of it. Like, wow, I saw that one. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it feels like a, a, a nice little gift. Yeah, and it's, it's a uh, very hard thing to do these days with the you know, internet and, and us on podcasts and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, what's new with Real Bad? What's going on? Promote uh, the Real so, Bad for us. Yeah, so <laughs> let, me, let me get into my promotion attitude. Uh... Real Bad is a podcast where we talk about real bad movies from uh, all generations of film uh, and why they want to hurt us, some more <laughs> than others. It's, uh, yeah, you can find us um, at Real Bad Pod on Twitter. Uh, we've got a Patreon that's uh, just launched. So if you'd like to support us and what we do, you can head over there and 
check us out. So yeah, that's uh, where we are. We don't schedule stuff out too far. And well, I say that, and we have things now scheduled out for two months. Wow. Well. <laughs> um, which is, yeah. Normally we're at the Monday, what movie are we watching? And then we do it. But we're really scheduled out through October at this point. So we're going to have a spooky Halloween October every week is going to be a different bad horror movie. Nice. So I'm excited nice. about that. You have a good podcast for... Oh, thank you. So, well, yeah, in general. But for the uh, horror genre. Oh, yeah. And I... This is the thing. So I really do enjoy watching bad movies. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so we just had to watch The Flintstones, which I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And that was the most miserable experience it ever had because it's not really a bad movie. And that was the consensus we all came to. It's like, this isn't a bad movie. This movie is just not for me. Yeah. And it was. And because of that, because there's nothing funny bad in it, I was just miserable i felt like i was just lost at sea so i get joy out of watching bad movies because i can sit there and go oh look at that terrible thing that just happened oh my god i get i put that in my notes yeah like i even on this podcast there's some movies i've seen and uh, some movies we will see that are like bad but i'm looking forward to seeing them again or or it was a fun experience because they're entertainingly bad and then they're they're just boring films and it's like yes oh my god i've you know, 47 minutes of this film left. I had it, you know, like, <laughs> and those are the worst. You know? They are. They're absolutely the worst. No, but real bad so. again. Very fun podcast. I enjoy your uh, Star Wars saga. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for having me on. It was really great. I got super excited when I saw that this was one of the films that you were going to be doing. Cause I, like I said, it's, it's a touchstone for me when I was a kid and I was super happy to have enjoyed watching it this time. Well, I'm glad we both could find such happiness out of out of this Mark Harmon picture. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, thank you so much. So once again, big thank you to Nick Jenkins from Real Bad. He had some really, really awesome things to say about summer school. And again, I was pleasantly surprised with this film. You guys should definitely, definitely check it out. We'll hope to have Nick again on soon. We'll see what movie uh, tickles his fancy. So, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know I promised a big announcement. Well, it has to do with next week's homework. Well, this week's homework, but for next week's film. The film will be a big one, a very popular one. Grease. John. Grease, the Broadway smash that made theatrical history by becoming one of the longest-running musical comedies of all time, breaks loose on the motion picture screen. John Travolta, the sensational star of Saturday Night Fever, ignites the screen in Grease. Does it all with Olivia Newton John in her motion picture debut.
Cheer up. Uh, hit me from Kaniki. It's like a Hallmark card. You pig. I love it when you talk dirty. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John explode across the motion picture screen in Greece. A movie filled with more song, more dance, more of everything that makes a great musical unforgettable. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John together for the first time in Greece. So we're going to be doing something very special for Greece. Kara and Jordan of the Wistful Thinking Podcast, another wonderful podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network, and I got the idea to do kind of a combined special, a uh, back-to-school special, if you will. We're going to be starting our high school slumber party semester. I think their theme is back-to-school as well. So we're going to be doing something really, really fun. A two-part episode. The first part is going to be the Wistful Thinking style, right? We're going to be talking about Greece, but on Wistful Thinking. And part two will be right here next Friday on High School Slumber Party. So your homework, besides for getting John Cusack to unblock us, is to watch Greece and be prepared to listen to a lot. I mean, a lot of Greece talk. But in a fun way. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to talk to Kara and Jordan about this film. And can't wait to just share share what, what is like one of the most popular high school films with everybody. Hope you'll check it out. And of course, uh, Real Bad, Wistful Thinking, High School Slumber Party, Too Fast, Too Forever, all the other shows, foodie films, are all on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me. And you can find them all on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and especially all the shows, but especially, especially High School Slumber Party, give us a rating, give us a five-star review, write something, share, get on our social media, get on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, show me some love, not me, the show, show High School Films some love by following or liking or whatever it's called these days, High School Slumber Party. So, I leave you today with not a song from summer school, but a song related to it. It's not a very uplifting song, but it's the theme to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously, Chainsaw was in this film. They watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre in, in the film Summer School. So, I leave you with that. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.